the reflation train rolls on with a rise in most US equities, although the Nasdaq is down, which is sort of a sign itself, isn't it, that we are preparing for a post-COVID world sometime soon, hopefully, with new cases falling sharply in most parts of planet Earth. We'll look at what that means for bonds, which are losing value, commodities, which are on the rise, and currencies, with the US dollar generally weakening, although it is holding its own today. It's Wednesday, the 17th of February, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, with the U.S. open for business, bond yields have shot up eight basis points higher for 10-year Treasury yields, up to 1.28%, which is another pandemic high. 30-year yields are up over 2.08%, again, close to where they were exactly a year ago. Yields are also up a fair bit in Europe as well. 10-year yields are up to 0.62%, again, back where they were a year ago. Moves are a little milder in shares, though. The Dow is up 0.3%, a small move for the S&P 500, but enough to reach a new record high. And the Nasdaq is down 0.3%. And major uh, indices in Europe are all also down as well. Meanwhile, the US dollar, well, it's buying time, I guess. It's up a little bit today on the DXY, but up half a percent on the Japanese yen. The Aussie dollar has slipped a quarter percent. The euro and the pound haven't strained too, strayed too far from the US dollar. And oil, mixed, WTI is up 0.7%. Brent is down 0.1%. And Comics Gold down 1.5%. So what do we make out of all of that? Rodrigo Catrill is senior FX strategist at NAB in Sydney. So what is happening here? I mean, it looks like people are moving out of bonds but it's not all going to equities is it where's all this money going Rodrigo? <laughs> uh, morning Phil uh, yes I suppose that the, the first point to make is is the big jump that we've seen in core yields led by the, mm. the back end of the curve is uh, US Treasury yields uh, are still in some of the headlines because now we're trading back above those levels that we saw just as the pandemic was about to take off um, so that's kind of a, a landmark if you like uh, but certainly when you look at the curves and when you look across um, the core yields, it's really all this sort of reflation trade where the back end is the one that is lifting the whole curve higher. Uh, and it's certainly a reflection of a combination of things. Um, you know, the expectations of inflation coming because of all the stimulus, particularly in the U.S., um, but yeah. also the, the expectations of, of more issuance. Um, and there overnight we have, for instance, confirmation that the, the Italian bonds, uh, the, or rather the Italians will be issuing more bonds. Uh, so that again pushed up yields and the BTPs. But of course, the, the big one is, is the expectations of this huge stimulus coming from the US, which also, also means that we're going to hit like significant increase in, in issuance in the US. So, Overall, it's, it's a sort of positive vibe in the sense that there's, there's expectations that the, the global uh, economy will be recovering. Um, but it's also a bit of a warning sign about inflation and also about yeah. uh, higher yields as well. Well, we got a bit of a sign of that, didn't we? Because we had the Empire State Manufacturing Survey from the New York Fed out. That showed that uh, business conditions were rising quite a bit, actually, uh, from 3.5 in January to 12.1 in February. But uh, on the inflation thing, prices paid went up quite a lot, didn't they? Yes. Um, so the, the overall, it was a pretty nice uh, report. It jumped to 12.1 from 3.5, and the market was looking for a lift of, of around six. So, so it, it is a significant mm. improvement relative to expectations. But as you say, the the one that it's sort of the detail. It was interesting to see those expectations and prices paid, which. To some extent, it is a reflection of what's going on, particularly in the energy prices and uh, and uh, more recently, of course, in, in the U.S. in terms of the lift in, in oil prices. Uh, but nevertheless, it's, it's again that reminder of, of the concerns that we've seen in the market about the potential of, of an increase in inflation. And I suppose the question there is, is it temporary or is it going to be something that's going to be more longer lasting? So those yields, uh, bond yields, I mean, I was saying, you know, it's almost like we're, we're getting back to where we were a year ago. Uh, and, you know, maybe that's it. You 
you know, this reflation is taking us back to where we were, but that's certainly not the case with equities, is it? So a mixed day today, but, you know, we, we can expect stronger earnings later in the year. So is that factored in or have equities still got, I know you're not, you know, your, your specialism is in equities, but I'd be interested in what you have to say. Is there, you know, with all this reflation enthusiasm, could equities go even higher in the United States? Well, I mean, it, when you look at the macro backdrop, um, there's a general sense there that there's still um, a, a fertile environment for, for risk assets and equities, um, not only from the uh, increase in liquidity that we've seen coming from um, not only the central banks, but we also remember all this sort of cash that is being handed out by, by the U.S. government and the expectations of even more cash that is playing into sort of the, the retail investor. Um, but also the, the commitment from central banks to, to keep uh, the cash rate low for an extended period of time, that in itself also provides a huge sort of uh, macro backdrop for, for risk assets in general to perform. So my sense is that at the moment that there's, there's a little bit more in the tank, particularly bearing in mind that, you know, more checks will be coming, particularly in the U.S. Um, and, and also in terms of the inflation side. Um, there's a debate around whether, you know, high yields will, will stop the equity market. Uh, but to, to some extent, history tells us that there is a relationship there. But that relationship is also a combination of the fact that typically high yields rise because of expectations of high inflation. But then that's where expectations of central banks introducing or beginning a tightening yeah. cycle also begins. This time around, this time, this time around, we know yeah. that that's not going to happen this year and potentially yeah. not even happen next year. So, so on that, so just from a macro perspective, I think the risk, <laughs> risk assets have, have plenty of support uh, for at least a few months. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch, isn't it? Now, what about the uh, the Japanese yen then? We've seen up, up two and a half, well, two and a quarter percent in the last few weeks. Uh, we get their balance of trade numbers today as well. So what, what is that going to show us? And is, is the yen, I mean, we've been talking about everything clawing back to where it was. Is the yen going to claw back to where it was before the pandemic? Well, the, the interesting thing about the, the yen is that um, we got to remember that the Bank of Japan introduced yield curve control. They are the ones who invented it. Um, and mm. effectively, what it means is that uh, they've increased the, 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 the correlation between the dollar yen and, and the movement in U.S. Treasury yields. So what we've seen, as we mentioned earlier, is we've seen the core yields lifting, uh, particularly 10-year U.S. Treasury yields making new highs. And that relationship is pushing dollar yen higher, despite the fact that the dollar is sort of still kind of on a weakening trend, even though it had a good night. Um, it's certainly kind of going against the grain, if you like. And, and that's an interesting sort of strategy that the, the Bank of Japan has implemented and it's proven to be effective, particularly in an environment where we see high US Treasury yields. No big moves in Europe, but the uh, the Zoo Economic Survey for Germany, that shot up 71.2 for February, up from 61.8 last month. It was actually expected to go down. So uh, even in Europe, where they're very slow to get the vaccines out, there's a lot of optimistic analysts we should hasten to add, because this is a survey of analysts, isn't it? Yes, it's certainly a survey of analysts, and I suppose it's, it's highlighting how particularly equity analysts tend to look into sort of the long term, and they're looking through mm. the pain that is likely to still be there over the next couple of months, and positively to to the the the, the you know the expectations that things will get better, particularly with the vaccine rollouts in Europe. And we got to remember that Europe, and particularly Germany, has a high level of leverage to the fortunes of China. So, as and when it opens. 
you know, the expectations is that there will be a solid rebound, uh, particularly left from, from Germany. Talking about China, this interesting story, it's not got a lot of attention in the markets, but it may be one of those stories that hangs on for a while. Uh, China is uh, sticking hold, hanging on to, to their rare earths, those tiny quantities of metals that's used in the manufacture of silicon chips. They, they control 80% of U.S. supplies. I guess the U.S. could actually pick up and start producing themselves. I think it's just the fact that the, the process is uh, heavily polluting, isn't it, which is why the Americans want to avoid it. But they want them because they, uh, they're they kitting out their F-35 fighter jets and their other weapons with, with microchips. They need them for that. No market reaction, but uh, I, I guess this is just another chapter, isn't it, in that increasingly complex relationship between China and the United States. We thought it might be simpler in the, the Biden era, but perhaps not. Yes, um, I, I suppose it, it's probably worth highlighting that uh, there wasn't much of a reaction when you look at the equity side of things. Um, but we did see um, uh, the currencies wobble a little bit on, on those news. In, in fact, um, the Aussie began is sort of little downtrend, if you like, when the news broke out. So, so risk-sensitive mm. currencies did show a little bit of um, uh, reaction. And if anything, the dollar is up on a, on a relatively positive night with high U.S. Treasury yields. So again, it's showing a sort of a mixed picture, if you like, in the background uh, that there is a little bit of uh, sensitivity, particularly with uh, risk-sensitive currencies, which haven't performed tonight or overnight uh, in an environment where um, commodities actually were doing okay. So uh, yeah. there's a little bit of a reaction there uh, uh, from the currency side. And, and it, it, it is important because uh, rare earths are super important in terms of high tech, uh, you know, particularly in the defense side of the U.S. But it, it's certainly we got to remember that China owns 80 percent of it. So they can mm. definitely, you know, if they, 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 they close the tap there it will have a material impact across the board. Right. Well, that risk explains why we're seeing commodity currencies down, even though commodities are up, because we've got uh, the Aussie dollar down a quarter percent, the Canadian dollar's down 0.4 percent. But oil's up, copper's up, silver's up. Most commodities are are on the rise. It's all to do with the risk that you've been describing. Talking about risk, a record high for Bitcoin, over $50,000 for the first time. I I don't get it, I have to say. Bitcoin evangelists... Tell me it's because they are the only scarce commodity these days because we've uh, we've got the weakening of fiat money as the money supplies are expanded. So obviously they're envisaging inflation like so many other people, but it is so volatile. But, you know, the fact that Elon Musk has now got into it, it seems to have given it more credibility. Although we've got Gabrielle Marluth from the ECB saying today that investors should be prepared to lose all their money if they're, if they're putting money into it. He's not saying don't buy it, just be prepared to lose all your money. He's likened it to tulip mania in Holland 300 years ago. So it's going to be interesting to see how that evolves, isn't it? It's, it's the bus. Yeah, you've you got know, to be on if it. If you have retail uh, investors that have a little bit of money from, from the bonuses coming from the government, why not put at least some of that money into Bitcoin? Yeah. So again, place to the reflation trade and, well, uh, and the alternative. Trades. I might be a bit behind the time, but I've, I've bought a whole load of tulips. I'm waiting for them to come back. Look, uh, UK inflation numbers today. Uh, I imagine we're not expecting big moves there, but uh, these are for January. The country is in lockdown, so you can't imagine that uh, there'll be much movement there. Uh, perhaps more interest, US retail sales for January today after that 2.1% fall in December. Plus, we get industrial production and the housing market index. So uh, what are they going to show us today? And, and also... Just to finish off, we get the FOMC minutes as well tomorrow morning. Uh, so perhaps that's going to give us an indication of just how prepared they are to ride the uh, the storm of inflation, should it come. Yes. So in terms of the inflation story, we have the UK, but no no major surprises expected there. In fact, the yeah. core reading is expecting to ease from 1.4 to 1.3. So not much to see there. Retail sales in the U.S. is an important one. We've seen uh, a steady decline since September in, in terms of retail sales in the U.S., but now the expectations are that we're finally going to see an uptick there to 1.9. 
versus the 1.4 decline that we got in December. So, so that will be interesting if it materializes. Uh, and as you say, then we move on to the FOMC minutes. Now, the minutes obviously give us a lot more color in terms of what the discussions uh, was around around the time uh, and, and also the difference of opinions uh, as well. So um, there's a lot of focus on whether there has been a material discussion around the issue of what does average inflation target mean? You know, mm. what, where, where is the tolerance? Is it a, an issue of time or magnitude, a combination of both? Um, and of course, the, the, the rationale around that. So there's a sense that they're based on what Fed speakers have been saying recently, that they expect inflation to rise over the near term. There's base effects. There's the, um, also the supply shocks coming because of the pandemic and so on. Um, and there's also the, the, the uneven pace of their recovery. So you will see some rises in certain areas, but declines in others. So you've got to be patient to, to look through. Now, the issue of patience is, well, how long do you expect this dynamic to, to take place? And two, is there a level of inflation that you, you, you get worried? Is it 3%, 4%? Uh, because that would be important in terms of the pricing that you will see in, in the bond market in particular. So not sure we will get the answers to all those questions, uh, but it's certainly uh, mm. the expectation is that some color around that will be given. And that is out just before tomorrow's podcast. So if there's anything in it, we'll be onto it tomorrow morning. Good to talk, Rodrigo. Great. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. I just made that up. Actually, that's quite a good slogan, isn't it? If there's anything in it, we're onto it. Tomorrow morning, the morning call with me, Phil Dobby, for NAB. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. 